Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. Registration is officially open, and we want you to join us for the second annual NBDA Retailer Summit. May 22nd and 23rd in Bentonville, Arkansas. Our 2024 program features two dynamic days of presentations, panel discussions, and breakout sessions aimed to unite retailers and suppliers in conversation. Tickets include an event gift bag, tailored educational events, networking cocktail event and select meals, early access to the Bentonville Bike Fest, not to mention ample riding time on world-class trails. You won't want to miss it, so don't get registered today at nbda.com. All right, welcome to the Technician Flex. This is our fun edition of Bicycle Retail Radio. It's an ongoing podcast feature focused specifically on service center and mechanics, and it's produced in partnership with NBDA educational partner, Northwest Arkansas Community College Bicycle Assembly and Repair Technician Program Director, Benjamin Glenn. Benjamin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, that's always a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I get through it each time. Yeah. You do. I mean, it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. We're here. We're going to continue these technician flexes uh, into 2024 every other month answering your questions on service center operations, continuing education, proactive versus reactive service. Um, how's the college? How is it in Northwest Arkansas today? Oh, yeah. Um, it's fantastic. We have a snow day. So uh, that's a lot of fun. Doesn't happen. Well, I guess it happened quite a few times last year, but uh, Arkansas and snow just, you know, doesn't mix. It doesn't seem like you should be saying those in the same sentence. But yeah, we get snow days. Um, winter break is, is you know, we're, we're pretty much right at the end of winter break. Students start back on the 16th um, and we'll work our way into the second semester with our suspension class wheels, um, service operations, and e-bikes. So um, gearing up for that, setting all the curriculum and all that good stuff up in our learning management system. And it's just, uh, it's really nice to to turn turn this corner. Students are going to be doing great. We ended the semester fantastic uh, with the grades and everyone made it through. So always fun going into a new year. And yeah, Northwest Arkansas and snow don't sound like they go together. Uh, but Northwest Arkansas is an amazing place in our country. It's the mountain biking capital of the world. There's so much happening. And Northwest Arkansas Community College is uh, one of the few colleges that is uh, hosting an opportunity for bicycle mechanics, for students to earn a Bicycle Industry Employers Association accredited certification and bicycle assembly and repair. So this is great. They're bringing so much uh, knowledge and skills to our industry, uh, training bicycle mechanics and wheel repair, assembly, bearing, suspension ser- systems, service department operations, electric bikes, uh, really helping us uh, have quality mechanics and technicians in the field. So Ben, I can't thank you enough for what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, we're having a great time. And students, like I said, you know, everything is about them. Uh, Definitely student focused all across the board and excited for them to get out and work in the industry and just see their impact. It's going to be great. 
So I love our podcast because it's like, ask Ben anything. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it is. And we get the questions that we ask Ben from listeners, uh, from retailers, from suppliers. So you can ask us anything. Send your questions to me at heather at nbda.com. And um, yeah, we go through them and we select a few. And each episode we ask Ben for his knowledge and expertise. So Ben, this is episode five. Are you ready to jump in? Let's do this. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. So here we go. The first one is from a retailer in Florida. And this retailer says, chain replacement is a routine task in bicycle maintenance. What guidelines do you recommend for bike shops when advising customers on when to replace their chains? Are there any common misconceptions about chain wear that you frequently encounter and how do you address them during customer interactions? Well, I love this one. We used to keep the chain checker near the check-in. So I'm really interested to hear your advice on what you recommend for bike shops when advising customers on when to replace their chains. Yeah, that, you know, keeping that chain checker right there at check-in is is great because, you know, before you do a drivetrain adjustment, before you start replacing any part with the drivetrain, always, you know, kind of work from the simplest thing to the most complex and checking that train chain is um, definitely one of the first things you should do. Uh, it's it's fundamental to to making sure that customers got a bike that they want to ride and they can ride and enjoy. So, uh, thanks for this question. Uh, it's definitely sometimes one of those that's kind of hard to get through with customers. It can be a little bit overwhelming when we're talking about um, any type of preventative maintenance. You know, although we spent this much money on a bike and now I've got to spend this much money on maintenance, but. Um, Talking to them and kind of talking about those maintenance uh, expectations, I guess you could say, or just, you know, preventative maintenance service you can do to the bike just so they can uh, keep riding a bike that they like. The bike functions properly uh, and remembering throughout any of those complex service conversations, we should definitely be speaking with some respect and only to the extent needed for that customer's understanding. So kind of basically just don't use extreme technical jargon, jargon, unless that customer does. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one thing that we, we talk about in our service operations class. Uh, and there's a, a great video out there. That I show the students from some engineers and, uh, you know, it's all these crazy complex engineering, uh, you know, terms and, and just, you can't wrap your mind around it. And then, uh, the conversation goes, yeah, you, you learned a lot in this program. So now, you know, unless the customer asks for this, don't, you know, no need to start talking about, you know, these these uh, very technical terms with the customer. But um, to approach the question a little bit, uh, a little bit more here, I, I like to talk about proactive service with that customer as early as possible in their bike ownership journey. Uh, when measuring a chain, let them know what you're going to be doing. Let them know, hey, I'm going to measure your bicycle's chain for where. I'll also record this for you so you know when to kind of expect that uh, chain replacement to happen. You know, things are not getting cheaper anymore. It's kind of, uh, you know, taking a little bit of that sting out of the price when it's time to replace those parts is 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 great. You'll appreciate that. Now, as far as the tool goes, there's a ton of different uh, chainware tools on the market. There's a huge variety. Uh, some are accurate, some not so accurate at measuring what's called true pin to pin wear. And that's really where a chain wears is, is from the pin to the next pin and, and so on down the line. And that's where we want to measure is, is we want to measure and see where that pin uh, to pin wear is. The tool that measures on the same side of the rollers. So roller wear, uh, it's not really going to affect much of that measurements. We're not going to really get a good um, accurate reading. 
I like to turn to Shimano's, and it's going to get a little technical here, uh, TLCN40 or the CN41, or uh, I really have enjoyed using Pedro's Chain Checker Plus uh, 2. Those are definitely my go-to as far as chain measurement goes. The Shimano and the Pedro's, they force a center guide. So you have three different guides on there, three different uh, kind of, um, uh, yeah, basically guides. Uh, they force that center guide against a roller so that when a measuring guide is held against the chain, it measures on the same side as the load, load that first initial loaded roller, thus measuring only pin to pin wear and measuring on the same side uh, of those pins as you go down the chain. Uh, I've got some notes here, some great resources that, that I've used to kind of discover these things. Um, a really interesting um, company, a uh, guy that studies, researches a lot of chains and try to get the least amount of friction in his chain is zero friction, zero friction cycling. Just give it a Google. Uh, you can you can get really into some technical terminology. He looks at everything from, uh, you know, what's the most efficient as far as watts go to what has actually the, the, the least amount of friction from the chain lubricant, that way the chain's built, all that good stuff. Uh, and an oldie here is um, turning to Sheldon Brown for just explanation on uh, that chain wear. He's got a great article that him and Jop Sprint uh, kind of co-authored together, really walks through and really explains well as far as just chain wear goes, how it happens, some great visual pictures, and then also talking about those um, chain measurement tools as well. So is there some, uh, you know, kind of, uh, I guess, misconceptions? Yeah, I think the misconception is here is is maybe possibly using the wrong chain wear indicator you want to use, um, not grabbing two or three different ones. So always using the same one each time. So you're you have some consistency with that measurements um, and, you know, preparing that customer for any possible uh, maintenance that's needed. And that's going to speak to the uh, proactive side of the service. Lots of great advice there. And yeah, as we navigate this, it's a continual uh, discussion on how we can, you know, be more efficient, be more uh, customer centric, uh, really tune into those customer needs. So I love all of these uh, uh, tips and advice. And yeah, I love this question and really thankful for your time and expertise on that. I want to just uh, link to the the notes there in our show notes for our listeners, the Sheldon Brown reference, a uh, big fan of his work. And I, I love how you incorporated that into your response. So thank you. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's uh, fantastic. The, the, you know, the, uh, the information out there is just, you know, you can't really put a, a price on it. So uh, good, good job. Happy to have those resources. All right, let's go to our second question. This is from a retailer friend of ours in our P2 group that has a shop in Connecticut. And the retailer writes, often we get a bike into the shop with a sound. I mean, we've all had a bike that comes in and there's like the customer says, oh, there's this this knock when we pedal, a tick. Uh, I can't really diagnose the noise, but it just won't get go away. Can you figure it out and fix it? And he said, he writes, often this ends up stealing precious moments of my mechanics time. Are there common things I could, I could suggest my, my mechanics check right away so we don't mm. go down this rabbit hole? I mean, come on, you're smiling. You get it, right? Yeah, like, I, oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Those noises, knocks, clicks, ticks, you know, these are pain and, you know, the mystery, you know, the mystery to, to what's happening. And it's a huge noise to the rider. So it's, yes, it's the worst. And it does take a lot of our mechanics valuable time, right? So mm -hmm. 
Uh, where should we go with this one? You know, I'm getting a little PS, uh, PTSD from this, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, right? When I was working in the shop, uh, one of our regular customers, you know, makes me think about this one particular bike. It was a fantastic bike. Uh, you know, customer was, was frequent, brought, brought all the bikes in, you know, a super nice uh, guy. Uh, and he was ready for a nice premium road bike. So as, as high end as we could get, you know, he was prepared to, to, you know, pull out all the stops and go super high end, super lightweight. Uh, so yeah, of course we're going to do that. And I really wanted to showcase our expertise, you know, and how, uh, how smart we were and how professional we were. So, um, you went through the whole entire fitting process with him to determine, you know, correct size of frame, stem length, handlebar, width, handlebar shape, you know, the works, you know, didn't leave any detail, uh, you know, untouched, just came, came across and wanted to really do a great job with this customer. Um, so the frame came in, spent my time building it, you know, owner's manuals open, uh, you know, the, the dealer manuals, all that good stuff to make sure I was doing this correctly and following everything, installed all the components, checking everything, at, you know, at least twice. And I kid you not, within a week, this bike was back in for service with this crazy loud knocking noise from oh, the bottom. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was devastated. Definitely heartbroken. <sighs> I thought, surely I've not, you know, missed a step, you know, uh, what did I do? You know, what, what has happened here? And so kind of to cut to the chase here, long story short, after numerous attempts, uh, reinstallation of that bottom bracket of the crank of the pedals using different types of lubricants going to a higher quality lubricant, you know, calling local bike shop across town and say, Hey, do you have this particular lubricant? I'd like to try it out. You know, just, just really grasping for straws. One point even swapped out uh, for a new bottom bracket. Actually in the end, it was actually on the manufacturer's side. Ah, Yeah. So, so the frame bottom bracket, the, the, the shell bore diameter was, just outside of allowable tolerances, allowing that bottom bracket unit to kind of flex just enough to create some noise. So everything we were doing was absolutely trying to solve the problem. But, you know, those tolerances, we can't control that as, as a bike shop. Now you're giving me some PSTD because <laughs> I had I had a customer do this. We are built up this beautiful gravel bike and same thing. And you're right. Like the the circumference of like the bottom bracket opening or something wasn't the same as the bottom mm-hmm. bracket. And that, that was actually what it was. It was in the frame manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. outside of those tolerances, what are we going to do? I mean, there's some tricks and tips to get around it, but that's always going to come back. That's nothing we can change. So it's kind of out of our, our control. Um, but let's kind of circle back here a little bit to, to answer the question, I guess. So yeah, um, you and I are just like off on a tangent over here. We, we totally can do that. Yeah. Yeah. So bicycles, we all know, like lubrication, they like to be aligned, right? Um, most noises can be cured typically uh, with a good cleaning and proper fastener torque, appropriate service for service treatments like, you know, some type of thread locker, anti-seize compounds, friction paste, or even just your generic part tool, PolyLube 1000. You know, things like that can go a long way in keeping these noises from happening or coming around. So cleaning, proper torque and any type of service treatment that's needed, recommended by the manufacturer, whatever that looks like. Um, and that alignment, you know, making sure that uh, things are lined up, uh, you know, absolutely checking those uh, frame tolerances if needed. But, you know, to, to really address this, you know, what can we do straight up front? I would say, you know, part of that is going to be to to wash the bike properly, make sure, uh, you know, you're addressing any concerns. Where are you riding? What are you doing, customer? 
with this bike, you have any noises that are coming around? When does it happen? Is it happening when you're seated? Is it happening when you're standing on the pedals? Is it happening in a certain gear? So really kind of being a detective a little bit, I guess, uh, would be, you know, kind of my first, first, um, first piece of advice. Um, so, you know, is it a squeaking noise while you're pedaling? You know, this can be caused by a, a lot of different, uh, things that are happening within that bike. We can be looking at uh, dirt debris buildup. We could be looking at uh, dried up lubrications. You know, we could be looking at broken parts even. <clears throat> so there's several things that might be causing this. Can we check every single thing in a timely manner? I, I don't think so. I think that's almost impossible. Uh, so start with the most obvious and then work your way to, um, to that, uh, you know, more, involved uh, service. So most obvious, least invasive service to the more complex service of, you know, maybe it isn't time to overhaul the bottom bracket and replace the bottom bracket. Maybe I do have um, something a little bit more in depth that, you know, I need to spend time on. And that's when you can communicate with a customer. Hey, I, I found the problem. It's going to take a little bit more time. So here's, you know, here's our new estimate. Are we approving that? You know, what's that look like? So kind of back to what we already stated, you know, it's, customer relationship, building up that rapport and that communication. But uh, working from the, you know, kind of the outside in is, is probably the best way to go. There's lots there. And I think your your answer is fantastic. And I think the biggest thing that I would say is make sure your staff knows what your policy mm-hmm. and procedure is too, right? Because we yeah. want everyone on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Good question. Good question. A little, it took us down a little bit of a roller coaster, but we're back. Um, All right. So I really like this next one. All these questions are good this episode. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm in the Northeast. So this retailer actually is in the Northeast as well. Uh, They write winters here, plows are out and we know salt eats things. How does salt impact bikes, components, and carbon? And should we as a retailer sell a salt removal bike wash package? I don't even know there is something, um, but should we sell something like that? And anything special to consider when it comes to removing or protecting um, the bike from the elements? Oh, yeah, this is uh, absolutely a horrible thing to happen to a bicycle components, to your car, to whatever, you know, that salt does eat whatever. It's extremely corrosive. You know, is there is there a way around this, I, I, you know, outside of moving somewhere else? <laughs> I don't think so. Right. And pe- right. people, uh, uh, you know, deal with this year round, uh, you know, our, our campus, uh, our other campus is in, in Minneapolis, Minneapolis college. Uh, and this, uh, you know, one thing that I've talked with Casey, the director up there about is, you know, how do you, you know, I know you ride year round. How do you overcome all the salts? And, uh, you know, she said, she basically has just, uh, talked me through, you know, removing that salt as quick as possible, you know, washing, uh, washing that away, getting, getting rid of that is absolutely kind of the the best way to decrease the damage. So, you know, if there is some type of uh, salt removal package, you can add on to your service. I think that's fantastic. I'd really like to know a little bit more about that and what your thoughts, you know, what this uh, uh, dealer's thoughts are, this uh, retailer's thoughts. Um, You know, living here in the South, the only salt I really see and have dealt with is, you know, from human sweat, uh, this is kind of year round, especially for, for folks that are riding inside, but even, even when they're not, it's hot here, a lot of humidity, people can pour sweat all over their bikes. This, I, this happens to me watching the way, washing that away as soon as possible decreases those chances for corrosion to set in on any type of metal component like aluminum and steel carbon, uh, carbon itself is not typically affected 
uh, but the areas where the carbon and the metal meet can absolutely be affected. So those bonded surfaces, let's say we got a, an aluminum dropout and then our tube is carbon, that area where those two meet, what happens is the actual aluminum is, is the part that's corroding over time. So it's not the carbon itself. The aluminum corrodes, causes some delamination, causes the resin to break down those bonding agents in the carbon. And then that's when we can end up with some failure there. Titanium, typically not really a concern outside of those same areas where titanium and another metal meet. So titanium bottom bracket shell meets a an aluminum or steel bottom bracket unit. You're going to have some problems there eventually over time. So getting those spikes cleaned up, <clears throat> something that absolutely I, I would investigate a little bit more and see if there is a package you can add on and say, hey, we got this great package. We're running a deal every winter, come in and we'll, we'll get you taken care of, make sure that your bike's going to be great for the springtime when it's, you know, there's not so much salt on the ground. Yeah, One thing saying, to think about is, oh, is tired. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say you're, when you said body sweat, all I can think about is indoor trainers and how yes. bad that is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Indoor training, wreak havoc on bicycles and components. Absolutely educate customers to these issues. Uh, maybe even offer like some type of trainer wash. So yeah, you're riding your bike inside. It's not getting any road grime on it, but it's getting everything you pour out of your body on there. And that stuff can be absolutely the most corrosive. It, it's, it gets, you can, yeah, just Google, Google that. And you can find, <laughs> find some components that are just, you know, falling apart and have this white stuff all over them. And that's, uh, or, or don't Google that listeners don't. <laughs> Another part to think about is, is tires, wheels, pedals, all those other parts of the bike, right? It's not just always about the frame. So reserve time in that winter package. Uh, so if you got a, you know, a winter service package to inspect a bike that's been exposed to any salty conditions, all, the whole bike, you know, tires, wheels, pedals, the whole thing, you know, everything that's going to be moving is going to have probably some type of buildup on there. So early detection is the key when it comes to, you know, dealing with corrosion from salt. That's so that's a great answer. And I'm so glad that you brought in like the the salt that happens when we ride indoors too. And I, I think there is an opportunity somehow for retailers to at least educate customers, as you're saying, mm -hmm. educate riders and then play a role in helping make sure those bikes and uh, components uh, stay clean and last mm -hmm. long. Um, all right. One more question. This is our final question for today. And uh, this is from a retailer asking about kids maintenance classes. Uh, mm -hmm. The retailer hopes to host a youth maintenance class and wants to know what general topics they should include for basic maintenance skills and any other tips you might have to make it fun. This is so cool, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, this Who is awesome. Thought? So cool. Super cool. This is really good work. Whoever's doing this, fantastic. Good job, retailer, because, you know, you can never be... Uh, you know, people can never be too young to learn about bikes and especially about maintenance. Uh, you know, kids love using tools. They use, they love exploring. They love things, you know, that adults are doing. Uh, you know, I've got a picture of my, my oldest son. He's around the age of four. He's got his Strider bike. You know, I uh, taught him how to use a few basic tools. Next thing I know, he's taking the bike apart. So <laughs> it's. Oh, uh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's taking things apart. I don't know if this is going to be a positive thing eventually, but, uh, you know, he, he's definitely, uh, you know, likes to work with his hands. He likes exploring. He likes using the same thing, you know, same things I am. So um, give him those opportunities. Uh, you know, and these maintenance classes for the kids can be a lot more than this, that standard, you know, 
air brakes, you know, chain approach. So it doesn't have to be just about that. Um, this reminds me of uh, something I was invited to do a few summers ago. There's a local preschool, a Montessori school uh, that, you know, uh, gave me a call and said, hey, would you be interested in coming and talking to our, our preschoolers about bikes oh, and working cool. on bikes? Yeah, I was like, whoa, this sounds amazing, but how does that work? How do I teach a preschooler? Right, because <laughs> you know, I, I mean, these are young kids, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I really had to think about, you know, what would bring some excitement to hold their attention? You know, where is the value? What would make sense? Um, so I kind of pulled out all the stops really a little bit. Uh, I brought a whole pile of tools in, some different components for them to explore. Really took kind of more of a tinkering approach to it. Just kind of let them touch things and get their hands on the tools. Um, I also uh, printed out a lot of different pictures of various bikes, everything from the hobby horse all the way to hand cycles to modern full suspension rigs. You know, we we had, I don't know, I probably had like 30 or 40 you know, printouts basically, and just left them there for the teacher to use. But we talked briefly about kind of uh, about the bikes, how funny some of them look, you know, imagine us riding. I even had like a, a bike that had like a, a cargo on the front of it that was set up as like a ice cream delivery. Uh-huh. Uh, so we talked about, Hey, how cool would it be to have, have a bike that you could sell ice cream out of, you know, just kind of talked about that. Just um, anything to get the, that fun going, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of, you know, let them know that bikes are fun. Working on bikes is absolutely a blast. Uh, we explored city maps. Uh, we looked at uh, different locations there, talked about how we can get around the city. You know, where would we ride? What are there some safe roads? Uh, we even went on a pretend bike ride using some old handlebars, you know, kind of this crazy impromptu story I made up. <laughs> it was nuts. So the kids just had a loose handlebar and we just walked around the outside of the school and kind of took them out and we just pretended like we were riding bikes. And this actually turned out to be a really fantastic way to teach them hand signals to looking both ways at intersections, kind of the safest place for kids to ride, things like that. Just so, so some, you know, uh, some ridership, I guess, uh, yeah, skills. I love that. I love that. And imagine as a retailer, you're hosting, like, you know, you doing a mechanics class or doing anything like what you're suggesting. It really gets kids pumped up and then the families are there, right? Yep. Absolutely. Um, can be a lot of fun taking that STEM approach, taking a little bit more of a holistic approach. Simple things like a, a tube inflation race can be a lot of fun. You know, just having a, just a, a tube laying out and you're know, teaching them how to use a floor pump, the different valves on there. Just let that tube get super big. Uh, you know, it could be really fun. And, you know, uh, you know, we all know that tubes make a lot of noise when they pop. So, you know, kind of uh, controlling that a little bit. But um I really like this idea of a kids maintenance clinic. I would love to have elementary schools around the U.S. teaching maintenance classes. That would be amazing. Could you imagine the level of uh, technicians we'd have coming out of there? It would be phenomenal. I know. I knew you were going to like that question. When I saw that question come (laughs) in, I was like, this is totally going to be one that Ben enjoys. Um, Awesome. Have you been riding? Have you been getting out? Like, are you? I have. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, I've been doing a little bit more running than riding. Uh, so uh, this has been fantastic. I haven't really been a runner much in my life. So kind of got into that uh, and really enjoyed it. Um, actually went on two longer rides, runs this week and uh, got out on the bike on Wednesday. It was a beautiful day. Went out to Hobbs State Park, which is uh, kind of northeast of where I am in Fayetteville. And uh, beautiful. Did, did a 15 mile mountain bike ride and it's just fantastic weather. So, and now we got snow today. So I know yeah. global warming, right? It's awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Not really. Uh, yeah. 
it's great to have you on the podcast. I love, you know, for our listeners who are driving, you can always tune into our YouTube channel. Um, we can see the facility behind Ben here and, and you can see our awesome faces and, uh, just get in touch with us a little bit more. Any questions, send them over Heather at mbda.com and, uh, we'll be back in what two months, about 60 days. Yeah. Thank you so much, Excited. Ben. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. And hope, uh, your new year is off to a great start. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. 